This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Vladimir Putin told reporters that Gazprom will restart gas supplies to Europe via the Nord Stream 1 pipeline on schedule on Thursday, but at a drastically reduced capacity. Officially, the pipeline is closed for maintenance. Some suspect Russia is manipulating gas flows as a political tool in retaliation for the EU's support of Ukraine. Mr Putin's remarks offered them no comfort, despite his insisting that Gazprom will fulfil its commitments. Britain recorded temperatures of more than 40 degrees Celsius for the first time on Tuesday, with the freakish heat straining fire departments and other public services. Extremely high temperatures were recorded across Europe. Huge wildfires have flashed across the continent in recent days, with tens of thousands of people fleeing homes in France. Portugal reported more than 1,000 heatwave-related deaths. America's House of Representatives passed a bill protecting the right to same-sex and interracial marriages. All 220 House Democrats voted in favour, as did 47 Republicans but Republican opposition in the Senate means that the bill is not expected to pass. While overturning the right to abortion last month, one of the justices of the Supreme Court had argued that the right to gay marriage should also be reconsidered. Regulators in China are reportedly preparing to fine Didi, a ride-hailing company, $1 billion for data breaches. The fine amounts to about 5% of the firm's revenue in 2021 and would end a months-long investigation into the firm's cybersecurity practices. Didi has struggled ever since it angered Chinese regulators by listing on the New York Stock Exchange last year, despite being told not to do so. A Delaware judge set an October start date in the trial between Elon Musk and Twitter, rejecting Mr Musk's bid to hold it next year. A long delay and the uncertainty around the deal harms Twitter every hour of every day, argued its lawyers. The social media firm sued Mr Musk after he sought to abandon his agreement to buy it for $44 billion. Netflix shed 970,000 paid subscribers in the three months ending in June. The drop marked its second consecutive quarterly decline although it was less drastic than the 2 million loss the firm had forecast. Revenues grew by 9% year-on-year, to nearly $8 billion. The streaming firm said it would probably add 1 million new subscribers in the next quarter. It plans to offer a cheaper, ad-supported tier in a handful of countries starting next year. Officials in Australia urged businesses to let people work from home and recommended mask-wearing indoors amid a major outbreak of COVID-19. About 50,000 cases were reported on Tuesday, the highest tally in two months. The winter Omicron wave is overwhelming the healthcare system. The number of people in hospital is at record highs in several parts of the country. And fact of the day. 45% the decline of the Sri Lankan rupee against the dollar since March. And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Draghi's decision day. Italy's prime minister faces parliament on Wednesday, seeking votes of confidence for his tottering government from both chambers. 
Mario Draghi tried to resign last week after the Five Star Movement, M5S, the second biggest party in his coalition, failed to back him in a previous confidence vote. But Italy's president, Sergio Mattarella, refused the resignation and told him to test his support in parliament instead. Mr. Draghi is a reassuringly experienced leader amid the economic and military crises engulfing Europe. His supporters hope to see him lead a new government without the anti establishment M5S. But Mr. Draghi has so far refused to head a cabinet that excludes the party, saying that without it, quote, the pact of trust underpinning his broad coalition is gone. Meanwhile, right wing parties in his coalition may try to force a snap election and join the far right Brothers of Italy, currently in opposition, in an electoral alliance. Polls suggest that would be a winning combination. But an election would cause delay and uncertainty that could rattle the markets and the euro. Sri Lanka's dispiriting presidential vote. It has been yet another turbulent week in Sri Lanka. On July 13th, Gotabaya Rajapaksa, the country's president, furtively bolted to the Maldives, dispatching his resignation from Singapore the following day. On Wednesday, the Sri Lankan parliament will vote to elect Mr. Rajapaksa's replacement. But none of the three presidential candidates is especially inspiring. Ronald Wickremesinghe, a six-time prime minister and current acting president, is seen as an ally of Mr. Rajapaksa. His house was burnt down amid the violent protests that triggered the president's flight. Dalasala Hapiruma served in Mr. Rajapaksa's government until recently. And Anura Kumara Disanaik heads a Marxist party whose economic stance remains unclear. The poor quality of candidates will hurt Sri Lanka. Mr. Rajapaksa left a country in turmoil. His economic mismanagement has left people desperately short of fuel, food, and medicines. With virtually no foreign currency reserves and negotiations over an urgent IMF bailout not yet concluded, Sri Lanka is crying out for decent leadership. Britain's wannabe leaders face up to inflation. On Wednesday, the three candidates to lead Britain's Conservative Party will be whittled down to a final two. Party members will then choose Boris Johnson's successor as Tory leader and Prime Minister. But, as inflation figures also released on Wednesday will show, Britain's next leader will inherit extraordinary challenges. Forecasters expect that prices will have risen by an annual rate of 9.3% in June, up from 9.1% in May. The candidates have plans to help stretched wallets. Liz Truss, the foreign secretary, wants closer scrutiny of the Bank of England, as well as tax cuts. Penny Mordaunt also favors lowering the tax bill. But Rishi Sunak, the former chancellor, would cut taxes only once inflation has fallen. He likens his rivals' plans to a, quote, fairy tale. There may be grounds to help the neediest, but tax cuts are probably not the answer. If the higher consumer spending that would result pushes up inflation further, the Bank of England will tighten monetary policy, pinching borrowers. Taxes may be unpopular, but when fighting inflation, there are few happy endings. Tesla's bump in the road. In recent years, Elon Musk's pioneering electric car maker, Tesla, has been the darling of the industry. Results in April showed the electric vehicle maker's revenue grew some 81% year on year to around $18.8 billion. 
but Tesla's latest numbers, due on Wednesday, will be less cheery. The company delivered just 254,000 cars in the second quarter of 2022, well below the 310,000 shipped in the first. The dip is largely the result of COVID-19 lockdowns in Shanghai. These forced the temporary closure of Tesla's factory in the city, typically its most productive. But the firm has other problems, too. It may have lost $360 million on a $1.5 billion investment in Bitcoin, which has crashed, and sales from competitors such as BYD, a Chinese firm, are quickly growing. Yet, instead of focusing on cars, Mr. Musk is distracted by legal battles over his rescinded bid to buy Twitter. For Tesla, the ride ahead does not look smooth. The Hidden Joys of Mario Paint It was not like most video games. There are no quests, storylines, or villains to be defeated. When it was released for Nintendo's Super Entertainment System in July 1992, Mario Paint challenged gamers to design rather than destroy, and it succeeded in turning the making of digital art into a joyous experience. What the game lacked in sophistication, players could paint with just 15 colors, it made up for with charm. Each stroke of a brush was accompanied by a bouncy sound effect. The cursor rotated through the colors of the rainbow. And, importantly, the game had the capacity to create animations and compose music. When digital animation became commonplace on the internet, some web series pioneers cited Mario Paint as their inspiration. 30 years later, some people are still loyal. Websites offer recreations of the game's composer mode, and several limitation programs are available. The appeal is, perhaps, its whimsy. Modern digital art software is professional, clean, and utilitarian. Mario Paint made drawing on a computer fun instead. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Wednesday, which scientist won the Nobel Peace Prize as well as a Nobel for Chemistry? Tuesday, which heiress was kidnapped by the Symbionese Liberation Army in 1974? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Bruce Lee, who died on this day in 1973. Use only that which works and take it from any place you can find it. That's The World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening. 